want to invite you to turn to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, and uh, we're going to be giving our attention today to verses 14 through 21. A long, um, really a long time ago, a, um, an influential mentor in my life said to me, preaching is not everything but it affects everything. And I wonder how many of you listening would agree with that. What you hear in this hour is certainly not everything. But have you ever considered that what you hear, namely preaching, and and by God's grace, preaching that represents faithfulness to God's word, affects everything. To what extent does preaching affect your life? Um, A preacher I know writes, people are starving for the grandeur of God. And the vast majority do not know it. Only a few diagnose the longing beneath every human desire as the longing to see God. As we look out over the wasteland of our secular culture, must we preachers not ask who but us will say to this people, behold your God? Who will tell the people? men and women, dads, moms, boys and girls, that God is great and greatly to be praised. Who will remind them with tales of wonder that God has triumphed over every foe? Who will cry out above every crisis, your God reigns? If we preachers do not spread a banquet of God's glory on Sunday morning through preaching, will not our people seek in vain to satisfy their inconsolable longing with the cotton candy pleasures of pastimes and religious hype? If the fountain of living water does not flow from the mountain of God's sovereign grace on Sunday morning through preaching, will not the people hew for themselves cisterns on Monday, broken cisterns that can hold no water? Now, if that's true, then preaching does affect everything. It was the same sentiment, I believe, that led one of my favorite preachers to preach this about preaching. He writes, The most urgent need in the Christian church today is true preaching. And as it is the greatest and most urgent need in the church it is obviously the greatest need in the world 
also. So, <clears throat> that's a little bit overwhelming. Um, but my aim in this sermon today <laughs> is to, in some small way, hold up the beauty of preaching, the preaching of the Word of Christ. And I am absolutely, fully, staggeringly aware that attempting to do so has the potential of falling dramatically short of the target. However, if anyone should be able to say to you, I have looked upon the glory of the Lord in the sanctuary and beheld His power and His glory, it ought to be the preacher, the herald of God. If, if I don't aim to spread before you a banquet of God's beauty, then you will, my friends. Won't you seek for it somewhere else, in something else? So, please bear with me, and please pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim to you what I believe God has said about preaching. So, I want to invite you to follow along. We're going to look at Romans 10. I'm going to start reading in verse 13, so 13 through 21, and uh, please stand um, in honor of what the Lord has said to us. Paul writes, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they've not all believed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. And then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, that is God, God says, all Day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is the holy word of God. Hearing it 
causes believing Christ. So let's pause as the praying that joins us to Christ. So let's pray. Lord, we're trusting you to to do what you say your word does. Generate faith. Generate believing. Generate assurance. To communicate truth that we can rely on and bank on. So that in believing, you might cause praying, cause calling, cause following, cause turning, cause leaning into you. And that you would bring your life saving power to bear upon us and affect everything. We pray this for the glory of Jesus. In his name, amen. You may be seated. So I think the main point of Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 21 is is located in verse 17, where Paul writes, so, or for those of you that are attentive to these things, when there's a a therefore, and so is kind of like the same as saying therefore, when there's a therefore, you look to see what it's there for. So, So therefore, faith comes from hearing and hearing through through the preaching of the word of Christ. So the, the cause of faith, the faith that causes one to call on the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of their sin, is hearing the preaching of the gospel. And that's why it may be said that, though preaching isn't everything, preaching affects everything. At least preaching affects everything that ultimately matters most. So what does Paul mean by preaching? He uses two different words in this text in reference to preaching. One is in verse 14 where Paul says, How are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And the word that's translated preaching in our English text um, it's, it's our English word for, for heralding or for announcing. Paul uses that same word in verse 15 when he writes, and how are they to preach, how are they to herald, how are they to announce unless they're sent? So preaching has to do mainly with announcing something. Preaching has to do mainly with heralding something, something big, right? Like, hey! Listen up. There's no school tomorrow. That'd be a big thing. Big announcement, right? Um, Or, hey, big news. No masks required. Or, hey, get this. Gas is $2 a gallon at Costco. Don't you wish. (laughs) That's what preaching does. It, It heralds news. Preaching is what... Preaching is what... A sunset over the prairie does. Preaching is what a night sky full of stars does. And that's why in verse 18, 
Paul quotes Psalm 19, verse 4, as an illustration. This is an illustration of how preaching functions. He says, but I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For, and then he quotes Psalm 19, verse 4, their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Whose voice? Whose words? According to Psalm 19, verse 1, where Paul is drawing this, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals his knowledge. It's, it's their voice, their voice that goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So that's, that's an illustration of what preaching means. Preaching is declaring that God is glorious. Preaching is proclaiming. This is what God has done. This is what he's accomplished. This is his handiwork. This is who he is. And we should add that preaching is different than teaching. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, Paul writes, Christ abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed, and this is the key phrase, a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. So those are, those are three distinct things. Paul understood that God had appointed him for three different distinct tasks. Heralding, or this announcing the truth as a preacher, composing, writing, preserving, transmitting this authoritative pattern of truth as an apostle, and then explaining and applying the truth as a teacher. So, so preaching is, is not just explaining or teaching. Preaching is, is like what the old town crier would do when there was a message from the king. Bring out your dead, you know, that, that kind of thing. So Paul uses another word for preaching in Romans chapter 10, verse 15. It says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who this is the word now, preach the good news, as it is written. So, so Paul's quoting the Old Testament prophets, um, Isaiah and Nahum, they, they both use this phrase, and the phrase translated, preach the good news, is actually just one word. It's one word, literally meaning good newsing, or gospeling. That's awkward. That's why we translate it differently. But, but preaching, in this sense, is not merely heralding. Preaching is gospeling the gospel. It's, it's heralding the good news. So I, I spoke um, with an old friend of mine this past week who has served as a, a Christian sports camp director in the Ukraine for the past 15 years. And uh, he called one, wanted me to know how he was doing. And um, 
I wanted to know what was going on. And this is how he described to me the situation there for many families that he knows. He says, says, imagine you're hunkered down with your mom and your siblings in your basement. And for the past week, you've been hearing this thundering and feeling the boom of bombs. And the last time you went outside, you saw tanks burning at the end of the street. And your dad and your brothers have been gone the last two days because they went out to join the fight. And the anxiety of it is so intense, you don't feel like eating, and you can't sleep, and you can't stop shaking. But then imagine this. This is, this is my words now. Imagine if this happened. You know, one morning the sun comes up, and the thundering and the boom have stopped, and you hear voices outside. And maybe at first, you know, your, your fear level starts to elevate, and you're, you're afraid you're, you're going to hear the worst. But instead, you hear, the words that you hear are, it's over. Fighting is over. You can come out. They've pulled back. We're all safe. That's gospeling. That's good newsing. And that's the word for what Paul refers to in Romans 10, 14 to 21. And loved ones, God says that that is what is beautiful. You know, that kind of preaching might not be everything, but it sure changes everything. And, and, and you might be thinking, well, I thought it said that their feet were beautiful. I mean, doesn't it say how beautiful are the feet of the gospelers? How beautiful are the feet of the good newsers? Well, that phrase is is simply a poetic figure of speech. In Hebrew poetry, it's common to, to, to write that way. It's like, you know, the groom in the wedding described in Song of Solomon when he says to his bride, your hair, it is like a flock of goats. Your teeth, they're like sheep that just came up out of that pond in the pasture, dripping. Your neck is like a tower of a fortress. I mean, in other words, there, there's nothing about the actual feet of a preacher that are all that beautiful. I mean, I could prove it for you right now. <laughs> Take off my shoes and socks, you go, oh, Pastor Greg, your feet are awesome. <laughs> it looked like the Adidas shoe logo, you know. <laughs> if you just had claws, you could climb trees like a squirrel. You know, the, the reference to feet arguably is, you know, arguably one of the most unattractive, unnoticed, lowly features of the human anatomy. It's, it's only intended to highlight the contrast, the content that's so good. It's the good newsing. It's the gospeling that's beautiful. It's the heralding of the word of Christ that's beautiful. And this preaching is beautiful first and foremost to God. He's the one that speaks. He's the one that says how beautiful it is. God is the one commending the beauty of preaching. God is the one who's extolling the value and the loveliness, not of the preacher himself, 
or his feet or any other extremity for that matter. God is extolling the excellence and the wisdom and the treasure of what preaching is and does. And preaching is beautiful because and when it heralds the good news of God's saving activity in the person and work of our Lord Jesus, who is the Christ. What, what makes gospeling beautiful is that it draws attention to this pinnacle of God's, all his redemptive acts. What makes good newsing beautiful is that an, it announces the center and the climax of the Bible's story and the, the essential message for our faith and life and witness. God in love became a perfect man. And this perfect God-man took upon himself the guilt and the shame and the punishment for our sins. He was condemned to death and he died in our place. And his sacrifice was and is accepted by God. And on the basis of faith in him, believing the good news about him, Everyone who calls upon him will be saved. So what could be more beautiful than that for sinners under the wrath of God? What else in or on earth affects everything like that? And therefore, we are committed to preaching and preaching the word of Christ I want to get more specific. Why does God commend preaching? What, what makes preaching the word of Christ beautiful to God? Preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because first and foremost, preaching the word of Christ reveals the glory of God. Preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because it heralds, it announces the truth of who he is and what he has done in and through Jesus. Preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because through it, he proclaims his lavish mercy. Romans chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. He bestows his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at that. Behold that. Listen. That is good news. Preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because through it he announces the glories of his sovereign grace. Romans 10 verse 20. Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I've been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself, disclosed myself freely to those who did not ask for me. Look at that. Behold that. God shows himself, he reveals himself as glorious and beautiful to whoever he so chooses. And preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because through it he reveals the purpose of his divine and saving plans. Look at verse 19. But I ask, did Israel not understand? They, didn't they get it? Why didn't they respond? And Moses says, I'll make you jealous of those who are not a nation. 
with a foolish nation, I'll make you angry. Look at what God does. Look at how he operates. Look at his wisdom. Look at his plan. Look at his prayer. Who would think that way? Preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because through it he reveals his patient and tender heart. Romans 10, 21. But of Israel, he says, all day long I've held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Look at his compassion. Look at his patience. Preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because through it he sends out his invitation to trust him to the very ends of the earth. Verse 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? And it's interesting. Paul doesn't draw attention in this moment to like the, the lawful calling of preachers or highlight the office of pastor, elder, teacher, shepherd. He just leaves that kind of open because I believe what he's doing is that he's telling us that God is the one who ultimately is the sender in the same sense that creation responds to his command to proclaim. Verse 18, their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And so through preaching, the preaching of the good news, God is calling out to people everywhere. And the beauty of it is not that the good news of the gospel doesn't, it just doesn't fall from the clouds of heaven like rain. The beauty is in the fact that the word of God is brought forth and heralded by the mouths of earthen vessels, weak vessels, so that all the glory might go to God. Wherever he directs, providentially. So verse 15 says, as it is written, as it is written by the inspiration of God's voice, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And therefore, preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because in it and through it and by it, God is is communicating himself as glorious. There's a second reason that preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God and therefore, I believe should be sweet and precious to us. It's because through it and by it, preaching the word of Christ is what is the instrumental cause of believing. God brings believing into being through the hearing of the word of Christ. Now, that, that, that hearing might be through reading the word of Christ, but more often, and in light of the the context of this passage, Romans 10, the hearing is through the audible preaching of the word of Christ. Either way, through reading or preaching, hearing the faithful rendering of the word of Christ and all that he has done to make us right with God, it is the instrumental means by which God brings sinners to saving faith. The ears and and the eyes of our ears are the organ through which that word is heard. Verse 17 says, faith comes through hearing. 
comes through hearing something. What are we supposed to hear? We hear the word of Christ. Maybe you've heard the saying attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times and if, if necessary, use words. It's a somewhat unfortunate claim since it can lead one to conclude that, you know, like words are unnecessary. Since words are unnecessary, just make sure that, you know, you preach it with your life. Be charitable, St. Francis. I, I, I believe he's right um, in, in, a, in the sense that we need to register that our entire life should proclaim Christ. It, words won't be good news if our lives are bad news. We'll take that, right? But Paul is crystal clear. Believing is a result of what and who God has re revealed himself to be in the the word about Christ. So believing is a result of hearing something. It's hearing the announcement of the truth of who he is and what he's done. That's why Paul says in verse 14, how are they going to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Loved ones, listen, if, if your faith is weak, Preach the word to yourself. Preach the word of Christ to yourself. I, I referred to this a couple weeks ago. This little gospel primer which we give out, if I feel like my faith is weak, it takes me less than five minutes to read this to myself. And faith is strengthened because faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. So listen, I think it's a deceptive lie from Satan that says there's no need to say anything. True and saving faith is not a result of imagining God according to what we would fancy him to be. Paul attributes the hearing of the word of Christ and Christ alone as the instrument in the hands of the Holy Spirit that brings about the miracle of new birth. And when one's heart is made new, made alive, they behold the glory of God's wisdom and the glory of God's mercy, and the glory of God's provision in Christ. And when that light goes on, they trust. They believe. Preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God because it produces a true and informed believing. And when people truly believe, they turn to the Lord and they call on his name. And so, loved ones, preaching the word of Christ is beautiful to God and to all of us because it produces the faith by which sinners call on the name of the Lord that they might be saved. It inspires prayer. It inspires calling. It inspires saving prayer. And Paul makes a very direct connection between praying and believing in verse 14. How, how are they going to call on him? How are they going to pray to him? in whom they have not believed. How, how, do they how does anyone turn to one that they don't fully trust? I mean, when you really need help, who do you call? When you're 
in trouble. Who do you call? Who do you not call? You call the one you trust. You call the one in whom you believe. Grandparent. Um, you know, I, I love my grandchildren, and, I, and I, I love it when they turn to me. You know, they're looking for affection. But, but I can tell you this. Um, when my grandchildren are upset, I can go like this. And most of the time, they will not call to me. They call, Mom, <laughs> Dad. They, they, they want to be held by mom or dad. They want the one they trust the most. John Calvin writes, a true calling on God's name cannot be, it cannot be, except a right knowledge of him were had first. So what makes the times that, that we live in so challenging, at least feels so challenging to me. It's just so hard. It's so hard to know what one can believe or who, who we can believe. I mean, who do you trust? I, I go to the gym. I know that goes without saying. I, I go to the gym and there, you know, there's two TVs you know, side by side. One has CNN, one has Fox News, and they're covering the exact same thing, and you would never know it. Perspective is as different as day from night. How can you follow one you do not believe? How can you call on one that you do not believe? How can anyone turn and cry out to one that they don't trust? And how will anyone call on Christ if in him they have not yet believed? If in him they have not known enough that they can trust him? How are they to believe in Christ if they have never heard all that they need to hear in order to trust him? And how are they to hear what they need to hear to trust him without someone proclaiming it? Calling on Christ comes from believing. And believing comes through hearing. And hearing comes through the beautiful word of Christ.